Petaluma Radio Players. Like talking on This production of Trifles is provided through a grant by Atwest Garage of Petaluma, California, specializing in the service and repair of Honda, Toyota, Mazda, Nissan, and Subaru vehicles, including their hybrids and subsidiaries. Outwest Garage is woman-owned and family-friendly. Find them on the web at outwestgarage.com. And now, the Petaluma Radio Players, located just north of the Golden Gate Bridge in Northern California's Sonoma County, bring you another provocative radio drama from their home on KPCA-FM 103.3 and via the World Wide Web on kpca.fm. Our drama during this week's presentation, Trifles, the play that compels us to wonder, The Farmer's Wife... Or the dead canary? Which one really succumbed to being caged? When a Nebraska farmer dies at the end of a rope in his bedroom and the county sheriff and young DA show up to investigate, their particularly male point of view might be blinding them to clues that are right before the women folk's eyes. In this classic one-act play by early 20th century breakthrough playwright and novelist Susan Glassbell, gender roles are as much a factor in solving a murder as are the knitting needles, dirty kitchen towels and dead canary that point to a cage life set free. Or was it? It's winter in Nebraska, circa 1910. We are in the kitchen in the now-abandoned farmhouse of John Wright. It is a gloomy kitchen. It was left without having been put in order. There are unwashed pans under the sink, a loaf of bread outside the bread box, a dish towel on the table, and other signs of unfinished work. At the rear of the house, the outer door opens, and Sheriff Peters comes in, followed by Mr. Henderson, the county attorney, and Mr. Hale. These three middle-aged men are much bundled up and go at once to the stove. They are followed by the two women. Mrs. Peters is a slight, wiry woman with a thin, nervous face. Mrs. Hale is larger and would ordinarily be called more comfortable looking, but she is disturbed now and looks fearfully about as she enters. The women have come in slowly and stand close together near the door. The county attorney speaks. Ah, this feels good. Come up to the fire, ladies. I'm not cold. The sheriff unbuttons his overcoat and steps away from the stove. It is time to get down to business. Now, Mr. Hale, before we move things about, you explain to Mr. Henderson just what you saw when you came in here yesterday morning. By the way, Sheriff, has anything been moved? Are things just as you left them yesterday? It's just the same. When it dropped below zero last night, I thought I'd better send Frank out this morning to make a fire for us. No use getting pneumonia with a big case on. But I told him not to touch anything except the stove. And you know Frank. Somebody should have been left here yesterday. Oh, yesterday? When I had to send Frank to Morris Center for that man who went crazy? I want you to know I had my hands full yesterday. I knew you could get back here from Omaha by today. And as long as I went over everything here myself... Mr. Hale, just tell what happened when you came here yesterday morning. Well, Harry and I had started to town with a load of potatoes. We came along the road from my place, and as I got here, I said, I'm going to see if I can get John Wright to go in with me on a party telephone. I spoke to Wright about it once before, and 
He put me off, saying fog folks talk too much anyway, and all he asked was peace and quiet. I guess you know about how much he talked himself. But I thought maybe if I went to the house and talked about it before his wife, though I said to Harry that I didn't know what his wife wanted made much difference to John. Let's talk about that later, Mr. Hale. I do want to talk about that, but tell now just what happened when you got to the house. I didn't hear or see anything. I knocked at the door, and still it was all quiet inside. I knew they must be up. It was past eight o'clock, so I knocked again, and I thought I heard somebody say, Come in. Wasn't sure. I'm not sure yet, but I opened the door, this door by the ladies, and there in that rocker sat Mrs. Wright. What was she doing? She was rocking, back and forth, She had her apron in her hand and was kind of pleading it. And how did she look? Well, she looked queer. How do you mean, queer? Well, as if she didn't know what she was going to do next and kind of done up. How did she seem to feel about your coming? Well, I don't think she minded one way or other. She didn't pay much attention. I said, how do, Mrs. Wright? It's cold, ain't it? And she said, is it? And went on kind of pleading at her apron. Well, I was surprised she didn't ask me to come up to the stove or to sit down, but just sat there, not even looking at me. So I said, I want to see John, and then she laughed. I guess you would call it a laugh. I thought of Harry and the team outside, so I said a little sharp, can't I see John? No, she says, kind of dull-like. Ain't he home, says I. Yes, says she, he's home. Then why can't I see him, I ask her out of patience. Cause he's dead, says she. Dead, says I. She just nodded her head, not getting a bit excited, but rocking back and forth. Why, where is he, says I, not knowing what to say. She just pointed upstairs. I got up with the idea of going up there. I walked from there to here. And then I says, Why, what did he die of? He died of a rope round his neck, says she, and just went on pleating at her apron. Well, I went out and called Harry. I thought I might need help. We went upstairs, and there he was, lying... I think I'd rather have you go into that upstairs, where you can point it all out. Just go on now with the rest of the story. Well, my first thought was to get that rope off. It it looked... uh, But Harry, he went up to him and he said, No, he's dead, all right. We'd better not touch anything. So we went back downstairs. She was still sitting that same way. Has anybody been notified, I asked. No, says she, unconcerned. Who did this, Mrs. Wright, said Harry. He said it, business-like, and she stopped pleating of her apron. I don't know, she says. You don't know, says Harry. No, says she. Weren't you sleeping in the bed with him, says Harry. Yes, says she, but I was on the inside. Somebody slipped a rope around his neck and strangled him and you didn't wake up, says Harry. I didn't wake up, she said after him. We must have looked as if we didn't see how that could be for... After a minute, she said, I sleep sound. 
Harry was going to ask her more questions, but I said maybe we ought to let her tell her story first to the coroner or the sheriff, so Harry went fast as he could to River's place where, where there's a telephone. And what did Mrs. Wright do when she knew that you had gone for the coroner? She moved from that chair to this one over here in the corner and just sat there with her hands held together and looking down. I got a feeling that I ought to make some conversation, so I said I had come in to see if John wanted to put in a telephone. And at that, she started to laugh, and then she looked at me, scared. I don't know, maybe it wasn't scared. I wouldn't like to say that it was. And soon Harry got back, and and then Dr. Lloyd came, and you, Sheriff, and so I guess that's all I know that you don't. Well... I guess we'll go upstairs first, and then out to the barn and around here. Sheriff, you're convinced that there was nothing important here? Nothing that would point to any motive? Nothing here but kitchen things. The county attorney looks around the kitchen. He opens the door of a cupboard closet. He gets up on a chair and looks on a shelf. He pulls his hand away. It is sticky. Here's a nice mess. The women draw nearer. Oh, Mrs. Hale, her fruit. It did freeze. She worried about that when it turned so cold. She said the fire'd go out and her jars would break. Well, can you beat the women? Hell for murder and worried about her preserves. I guess before we're through, she may have something more serious than preserves to worry about. Well, women are used to worrying over trifles. The two women move a little closer together. And yet, for all their worries, what would we do without the ladies? The women do not unbend. The county attorney goes to the sink, takes a dipper full of water from the pail, and pouring it into a basin, washes his hands. He starts to wipe them on the roller towel. He turns to find a cleaner place. Dirty towels. He kicks the pans under the sink. Not much of a housekeeper, would you say, ladies? There's a great deal of work to be done on the farm. To be sure. And yet, I know there are some Dixon County farmhouses which do not have such roller towels. Those towels get dirty awful quick. Men's hands aren't always as clean as they might be. Ah, loyal to your sex, I see. But you and Mrs. Wright were neighbors. I suppose you were friends, too. No, I've not seen much of her of late years. I've not been in this house. It's been more than a year. And why was that? You didn't like her? I liked her all well enough. Farmer's wives have their hands full, Mr. Henderson. And then... Yes? It never seemed a very cheerful place. No, it's not cheerful. I shouldn't say she had the homemaking instinct. Well, I don't know as Wright had either. You mean they didn't get on very well? No, I don't mean anything. But I don't think a place would be any cheerfuler for John Wright's being in it. I'd like to talk more of that a little later. I want to get to the lay of things upstairs now. I suppose anything Mrs. Peters does will be all right. She was to take in some clothes for her, you know, and a few little things. We were left in such a hurry yesterday. Yes, but I would like to see what you take, Mrs. Peters. And 
Keep an eye out for anything that might be of use to us. Yes, Mr. Henderson. The men have left. The women look about the kitchen. I'd hate to have men coming into my kitchen, snooping around and criticizing. Mrs. Hale rearranges the pans under the sink. Of course, it's no more than their duty. Duty's all right, but I guess that deputy sheriff that came out to make the fire might have messed up her towel roll. Wish I'd thought of that sooner. Seems mean to talk about her for not having things slicked up when she had to come away in such a hurry. At a small table in the left rear corner of the room, Mrs. Peters lifts one end of a towel that covers a pan. Look, she had bread set. Mrs. Hale eyes a loaf of bread beside the bread box, which is on a low shelf at the other side of the room. She moves slowly toward it. She was going to put this in there. Mrs. Hale picks up the loaf, then abruptly drops it. It's a shame about her fruit. I wonder if it's all gone. Mrs. Hale gets up on a chair and looks at the shelf with the broken jars. I think there's some here that's all right, Mrs. Peters. Yes, here. Mrs. Hale holds a jar of preserves towards the light. Yes, here. This is cherries, too. I declare I believe that's the only one. Mrs. Hale gets down, takes the jar to the sink, and cleans the mess off the outside. She'll feel awful bad about all her hard work in the hot weather. I remember the afternoon I put up my cherries last summer. Mrs. Hale puts the jar on the big kitchen table in the center of the room. She is about to sit down in the rocking chair when she realizes what chair it is. She steps back. The chair which she has touched rocks back and forth. Well, I must get those things from the front room closet. Are you coming with me, Mrs. Hale? You could help me carry them. The women go in the other room. Mrs. Peters comes back with a dress and skirt. Mrs. Hale follows with a pair of shoes. My, it's cold in here. She puts the clothes on the big table and hurries to the stove. Mrs. Hale examines the skirt. Wright was close with his money. I think maybe that's why she kept to herself so much. She didn't even belong to the ladies' aid. I suppose she felt she couldn't do her part, and then you don't enjoy things when you feel shabby. She used to wear pretty clothes and be lively when she was Minnie Foster, one of the town girls singing in the choir. But that was, oh, that was 30 years ago. This all used to take in? Mm, She said she wanted the apron. Funny thing to want, for there isn't much to get you dirty in jail, goodness knows. But I suppose just to make her feel more natural. She said there was in the top drawer in this cupboard. Yes, here. And then her little shawl that always hung behind the door to the stairs. Yes, here it is. Mrs. Hale quickly shuts the door leading upstairs. Mrs. Peters? Yes, Mrs. Hale? Do you think she did it? Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't think she did. Asking for an apron and her little shawl... Worrying about her fruit? Mr. Peter says it looks bad for her. That Mr. Henderson is full sarcastic, and he'll make fun of her saying she didn't wake up. Well, I guess John Wright didn't wake up when they were slipping that rope under his neck. No, it's strange. It must have been done awful crafty and still. They say it was such a funny way to kill a man, rigging it all up like that. That's just what Mr. Hale said. There was a gun in the house. He says that's what he can't understand. Mr. Henderson said coming out that what was needed for the case was a motive. Something to show anger or, you know, sudden feeling. Well, I don't see any signs of anger around here. 
Mrs. Hale puts her hand on the dish towel that lies on the table. She looks down at the table. Only one half of it is clean. She starts to finish the cleaning, then looks at the loaf of bread outside the bread box and drops the towel. Wonder how they're finding things upstairs. I hope she had it a little more done up up there. You know, it, it seems kind of sneaking, locking her up in town and then coming out here and trying to get her own house to turn against her. But Mrs. Hale, the law is the law. I suppose it is. Mrs. Hale unbuttons her coat. Better loosen up your things, Mrs. Peters. You won't feel them when you go out. Mrs. Peters takes off her fur tippet and goes to hang it on a hook at the back of the room. The under part of the small corner table catches her eye. Ah, she was piecing a quilt. She brings the large sewing basket. The women study the bright pieces. It's the log cabin pattern. Pretty, isn't it? I wonder if she's going to quilt it or just knot it. They wonder if she was going to quilt it. Or just nodded. <laughs> Let me at that stove. Frank's fire didn't do much up there, did it? All right, let's go out to the barn and uh, get that cleared up. I don't know that as there's anything so strange. Are taking our time with little things while we're waiting for them to get the evidence. I don't see it as anything to laugh about. Mrs. Hale sits down at the big table and examines the squares of fabric. Of course, they've got awful important things on their minds. She joins Mrs. Hale at the table. Mrs. Peters, look at this one. Here, this is the one she was working on. And look at the sewing. All the rest of it has been so nice and even. And look at this. It's all over the place. Why... It looks as if she didn't know what she was about. We can't have that. Oh, what are you doing, Mrs. Hale? Just pulling out a stitch or two. It's not sewed very good. Bad sewing always makes me fidgety. I don't think we ought to touch things. Here's a threaded needle. I'll just finish up this end and... Mrs. Peters? Yes, Mrs. Hale? What do you suppose she was so nervous about? Oh, I don't know as if she was nervous. I sometimes so awful queer when I'm just tired. Well, I'll just get these things wrapped up. They may be here sooner than we think. I wonder where I can find a piece of paper and string. In that cupboard, maybe. Why? Here's a birdcage. Did she have a bird, Mrs. Hill? Well, I don't know whether she did or not. I've not been here for so long. There was a man around last year selling canaries cheap. But I don't know as she took one. Maybe she did. She used to sing real pretty herself. Seems funny to think of a bird here. But she must have had one, or why would she have had a cage? I wonder what happened to it. I suppose maybe the cat got it. No, she didn't have a cat. She got that feeling some people have about cats, being afraid of them. My cat got into her room and she was real upset and asked me to take it out. My sister Bessie was like that. Queer, ain't it? Why, look at this door. It's broke. One hinge is pulled apart. Looks as if someone must have been rough with it. Why, yes. I wish if they're going to find any evidence, they'd be on about it. I don't like this place. But I'm awful glad you came with me, Mrs. Hale. It would be lonesome for me sitting here alone. It would, wouldn't it? But I tell you what I do wish, Mrs. Peters. I wish I'd come over sometimes when she was here. 
I... I wish I had. But of course you were awful busy, Mrs. Hale. Your house and your children. Oh, I could have come. I stayed away because it weren't cheerful. And that's why I ought to have come. I... I've never liked this place. Maybe it's because it's down in a hollow and you don't see the road. I don't know what it is, but it's a lonesome place and always was. Wish I'd come over here to see Minnie Foster sometimes. I can see now. Well, you mustn't reproach yourself, Mrs. Hale. Somehow we just don't see how it is with other folks until... until something comes up. Not having children makes less work, but it makes a quiet house. Right out to work all day, and no company when he did come in. Did you know John Wright, Mrs. Peters? Not to know him. I've seen him in town, and they say he's a good man. Yes, good. He didn't drink. He kept his word as well as most, I guess, and paid his debts. But he was a hard man, Mrs. Peters. Just the past time of day with him? Like a raw wind that gets to the bone. I should think she would... I wanted a bird. But what do you suppose went with it? I don't know. Unless it got sick and died. You weren't raised around here, were you? No. You didn't know her? Not till they brought her in yesterday. She, come to think of it, she was kind of like a bird herself. Real sweet and pretty, kind of timid and fluttery. How she did change. Tell you what, Mrs. Peters, why did you take the quilt in with you? It might take up her mind. Why? I think that's a real nice idea, Mrs. Hale. There couldn't possibly be any objection to it, could there? Now, just what would I take... I wonder if her patches are in the basket here, and her sewing things. Here's some red. I expect this box has got sewing things in it. What a pretty thing. Looks like something somebody would give you. Maybe her scissors are in here. Oh, that smell! Why, there's something wrapped up in this piece of silk. This isn't her scissors. Oh, Mrs. Peters... It's... It's the bird. But, Mrs. Peters, look at it. Its neck. Look at its neck. It's all... Somebody wrung its neck. As the men approach, their eyes meet with growing comprehension and horror. Mrs. Hale hides the box under the quilt pieces and sinks into her chair. Well, ladies, have you decided whether she was going to... Quilt it or knot it? We think she was going to knot it. Well, that's interesting, I'm sure. And... Ah, oh, you found a bird cage. Has the bird flown? We think the cat got it. Is there a cat? Well, not now. They're superstitious, you know. They leave. Well, Sheriff, no sign of anyone having come from the outside... Their, their own rope. Let's go up again and go over it, piece by piece. It would have to have been someone who knew just... She liked the bird. She was going to bury it in that pretty box. When I was a girl, my kitten, there was a boy who took a hatchet, and before my eyes, and before I could get there... If they hadn't held me back, I would have hurt him. I wonder how it would seem never to have any children around. No, 
Wright wouldn't like the bird thing that sang. She used to sing. He killed that too. We don't know who killed the bird. I knew John Wright. It was an awful thing was done in this house that night, Mrs. Hale. Killing a man while he slept. Slipping a rope round his neck that choked the life out of him. His neck choked the life out of him? We don't know who killed him. We don't know. If there'd been years and years of nothing than a bird to sing to you, it'd be awful still after the bird was still. I know what stillness is. When we homesteaded in Dakota and my first baby died after he was two years old and me with no other then. How soon do you suppose they'll be through looking for evidence? I know what stillness is. The law has got to punish crime, Mrs. Hale. I wish you'd seen Minnie Foster when she wore a white dress with blue ribbons and stood up there in the choir and sang. Oh, I wish I'd come over here once in a while. That was a crime. That was a crime. Who's going to punish that? We mustn't take on. I might have known she needed help. I know how things can be for women. I tell you it's queer, Mrs. Peters. We live close together and we live far apart. We all go through the same things. It's all just a different kind of the same thing. If I was you, I wouldn't tell her her fruit was gone. Tell her it ain't. Tell her it's all right. Take this good jar in to prove it to her. She she may never know whether it was broke or not. I guess I can wrap it in her petticoat. My, it's a good thing the men couldn't hear us. Wouldn't they just laugh? Getting all stirred up over a little thing like a, a dead canary. As if that could have anything to do with... With... Wouldn't they laugh? Maybe they would. Maybe they wouldn't. No, Sheriff. It's all perfectly clear, except a reason for doing it. But you know juries when it comes to women. If there was some definite thing, something to show, something to make a story about, a thing that would connect up with this strange way of doing it. The women's eyes meet for an instant. Mr. Hale comes in from outside. Well, I've got the team around. Pretty cold out there. I'm going to stay here a while by myself. Sheriff, you can send Frank out for me, can't you? I want to go over everything. I'm not satisfied that we can't do better. Do you want to see what Mrs. Peters is going to take in? Oh, I guess they're not very dangerous things that the ladies have picked out. He goes to the table, picks up the apron, and puts it down. He moves a few things about, disturbing the quilt pieces that cover the box, and steps back. No, Mrs. Peters doesn't need supervising. For that matter, a sheriff's wife is married to the law. Ever think of it that way, Mrs. Peters? Um, not just that way. Married to the law. I just want you to come in here a minute, George. We ought to take a look at these windows. Oh, windows. We'll be right out, Mr. Hale. As Hale goes outside, the sheriff follows the county attorney into the other room. Mrs. Hale rises and looks intensely at Mrs. Peters, who finally meets her gaze. Their eyes travel to where the box is concealed. Suddenly, Mrs. Peters throws back the quilt pieces and tries to put the box in the bag she is carrying. It is too big. 
She opens the box to take the bird out, but cannot bring herself to touch it. I can't. Give it to me. Mrs. Hale snatches the box and puts it in the pocket of her big coat. Well, Henry, at least we found out that uh, she was not going to quilt it. She was going to... What do you ladies call it? We call it Not It, Mr. Henderson. This has been the Petaluma Radio Players production of Trifles by Susan Glassbell, adapted for radio by Ralph Scott and Stephen Lubliner, starring as the men, Dave Murphy as the county attorney, Tom Wilson as Sheriff Peters, and Stephen Lubliner as Mr. Hale. Narration by Alex Loringer, featuring as the women, Kathleen Mortensen as Mrs. Hale, and Kathy Murphy as Mrs. Peters. Recording engineer Mark Hindman, post-production John Beale, Produced by Ralph Scott, copyright 2017, the Petaluma Radio Players. We're on the web at PetalumaRadioPlayers.com. I'm your announcer, Cheryl Holling. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you have enjoyed this presentation. Please join us every other Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific on KPCA-FM 103.3 and on the web at kpca.fm. Cheers. Petaluma Radio Players. Like talking on air.